Well, welcome back to Life on the Vine. I'm your host, Dan, or Hutch, as I am known, and I am not here with Jackson. Sadly, Jackson is not here with me, but I do have a very special guest who I am uh, very excited to introduce to all of you listeners. I am here with my dad, the Reverend Ted Hutchinson. So, Dad, welcome to Life on the Vine. Hey, thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's so good to have you on. Um, I'm really excited about our conversation. I am too. I hope you are. Um, yeah. You know, Dad didn't really have a choice. I just told him he was going to be on this podcast <laughs> with me, whether he liked it or not. But uh, hey, this is something. This is really fun. I look yeah. forward to it. So uh, we are going to be talking. Uh, this will probably be two episodes. I don't think we're going to be able to get through all of the content we want to get through in one episode. But we're going to be talking about uh, parenting and. So I'm really excited for this. I, I know that we have um, of our, you know, tens of listeners. I know that there are some parents, <laughs> some parents out there. And so I'm really excited about this and excited to dive in. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to uh, give a little background. Some of you may not know my dad. He's you, you guys have been out to Tulsa a number of times, a couple of times, a number of times. Actually, I've done some relationship seminars mm-hmm. at the church. Um, but dad was a pastor for, um, 25 years, 35, 35 years. Yeah. In various communities. Uh, he and my mom uh, lived overseas for a while, taught, uh, where dorm parents did ministry. Uh, currently they are life coaches and they run a ministry out of their home, uh, and invite couples and pastors and sort of whoever needs some refreshment and restoration to come and to be at the home, get some good meals, get some conversation. And uh, and then you're also uh, a grandparent. You have four four grandkids. Yep. And maybe counting, but four for now. Four. Well, are you telling me something? No, I'm not telling you something. <laughs> that, that is a dangerous thing to say on this podcast. No, I, I was thinking Heather and Ian might be. My sister has three kids. So, so right. Yeah. Good. Um, so, yeah. So, what? Uh, before we get started and, and, and into this topic, um, what would you want someone listening in to know about you, um, your your passions, your interests, or just kind of what should they know about Ted Hutchinson aside from the fact that he, you know, is my dad? Well, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. What else do you need to know? Yeah. You are my claim to fame. Oh, yeah. um, no, well, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, too. And uh, that I consider as one of the great boons of my life. Um, my dad was not only a pastor, but he he just loved youth and was always a youth leader. And, and mom was too. Mom was very involved. She was a teacher by heart and by training and <clears throat> taught at the college level, but also taught junior high, uh, junior kids, uh, grade school kids. And was my folks were very involved in children's ministries. And so I grew up with that. And I grew up with uh, dad and mom running summer camps and um, programs for youth and retreats and all that kind of thing. It was just part of my life. And so loving kids and loving families has is, is just been part of my uh, upbringing. Yeah. And, well, <clears throat> and I think I have a real yeah. passion for uh, the family because we're passing on to the next generation what God has taught us and what yeah. we've learned over the years um, 
really in many cases through through failure and growth and uh, God has been gracious to us and we want to pass that on to the next generation so that they too can know and love God um, and proclaim the gospel to the world. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, and I, you know, it's it really is special for me to be able to have this conversation, you know, with you and um, to be a third third generation pastor. Yeah, um, right. We're all called. We believe we're all called to ministry, right? That's uh, it's it's fun that we can both say we were we have been pastors, but part of this is about the fact that we're all called to some form of ministry. We're right. all called to be engaged, as you said, in the proclamation of the gospel. And part of that, and a lot as, as parents, parents have a particular role in that within their own family and right. with their kids. And that's some of what we want to talk about today. What does that role look like? Where does that come from? Um, yeah, exactly. In fact, I really believe that the home is the model for the church. Hmm. Uh, yeah, same about that. Well, the, the the relationships that we build in the home, the trust, uh, the sense of love, the the compassion that the home can have for those outside the home, hmm. uh, the learning together, the sharing, the uh, openness and transparency, all of that is modeled in the home. Hmm. And what happens in the home uh, informs how the church behaves. Mm. And so when we have healthy homes, we have healthy churches. Mm. Or it's also the other way around. As the church uh, encourages uh, mm. growth and maturity and health, uh, emotional and spiritual health, that strengthens the home. So the, the two work together. But the things that happen in the home need to happen in the church and the things that happen in the church need to happen in the home. Yeah. So we're already getting, getting, getting into it. This is good. Um, before we get into specifics and some of the things you want to talk about, just talk a little bit more about sort of your passion for this topic of parenting. And you've already expressed it's part of your own background. Yeah. You had parents that, <clears throat> influenced you positively and um you know that that passing on to the next generation is something you're you're passionate about but um i know you've been doing some sort of uh intentional work even recently in mm-hmm. this realm of parenting so what's kind of got you uh, thinking about that or writing about that right and well you know about that more being a grandparent um you start to think about what am I going to? What am I passing on mm. to not only your generation, Dan, but to my grandchildren? Yeah. And what do I want them to know and to experience? Mm. And I think that it's, I think that sense of, you know, the scripture, the proverb says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his grandchildren. Not just his children, yeah. but his grandchildren. Yeah. And so what's the inheritance that mm-hmm. I want to pass on? And as a pastor, I want to pass on not just to my grandchildren, but to the children of the church, to yeah. the children of the, the body of Christ, the next generation of the body of Christ. That's what I want to pass on. And so uh, it's important to me what 
how children are taught. I mean, I'm I'm working with um, my oldest grandchild, Oliver, who's about five, yeah. and we are memorizing scripture. Yeah, and awesome. we have been doing that since he was about three, actually. Yeah, um, that's just one of the ways in which I want to pass something on to the next yeah. generation. I want to pass on. Mm-hmm. His love of scripture, my love of scripture to him, yeah. and and his love of scripture. That's so good. You know, I, I think um, I think about our baptismal vows, and there's the the vows, at least in our yes. church, Presbyterian yes. church, we baptize infants, right, most of the time. Um, it's not not a you know you don't have to, but we usually do. And, right, and right, so right. There's the vows that the parents make about raising this child up to know and love and serve and the, the Lord vows Jesus that the Christ. church makes well and then the vows that the church makes that right. they will come alongside and you know from a I'm the next gen pastor and Jackson is the junior high guy so we we uh, we listen right we're we're listening <laughs> yeah, right. when the congregation says yes we will do these things but um but, but it makes me think that and maybe for our listeners and and some of you know who might not be parents but even if you're not a parent I think what we're going to be talking about still applies. I, I think it, it's it's useful from this standpoint that we're talking about. Of if you're part of a church, if you've vowed things in baptism, right? If you're um, a Sunday school leader or a youth leader, or even if you're just around kids, um, these are still things that are important to to think about, right? As we even even just think, what does it mean to live into my the vows that I have made to families and kids within the church? If the church is sort of the family of God, then even if you're not a a, a parent per se, sure. Um, I think what we're going to be talking about is still something that is well, important. Can I give a personal example? Yeah, I mean, um, as as you're mentioning this, it it just brought back to my mind spontaneously. It brought back to my mind. M- memories of growing up, obviously pastor's kid in the parsonage. Yeah. In those days we had a parsonage. Yeah. And there came a point when I was in college where I seriously doubted my faith. Mm. And I I wondered if God was real and I and I felt disconnected and alone yeah. and isolated and angry with God, frankly. But I in those moments mm. I could not reject it because I had a wealth of memory of people in the body of Christ who I knew had been through trials, had been through hardship, uh, had I'd watched their lives, I'd seen their faithfulness, and they were the rock that I needed. So it doesn't matter whether you have kids or don't, you are, the, the body of Christ is the testimony. It is the, mm-hmm. it is the source. It is the strength yeah. that we pass on to the next generation. That's so good. I, you know, the, the um, f- yeah, I, the idea of uh, the Fuller Youth Institute has done stuff in what we call, you know, sticky faith. Yes. That, yes. That's, that's the, one of the biggest ideas of sticky faith that if you want a faith that sticks with kids and particularly through college, right? Because how many people in their own lives or as college students can speak to that sort of crisis of faith that happens in college. Right. And part of the basic idea is that you need people, not parents come alongside parents to be that, to be that faithful witness um, for exactly those times that you're talking about when, 
um, a credible witness. I think. I think. And Dr. you Miller probably won't know witness. that you had that impact. Yeah. On those children. Yes. But you will have it. Yeah. Yeah, and I've experienced that, and I've worked with so many young people who are now not young people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, could testify to the same thing yeah yeah exactly yeah good okay so let's um i feel like we just need like a a a holy pause after that but um but let's let's sort of jump into some of the uh the the big ideas that we want to want to get at so as we're thinking about parenting and again i think this will apply beyond parents but we are in in a way talking with a with sort of a an eye to parents right. um you know whether you have biological kids adopted kids foster kids you know if you're or if you're a grandparent if you're an uncle or aunt you're raising a kid if you're in any of those roles um sort of as the parent um then this is sort of directed in a more specific way at at, at any of you so where where do we start Thinking about parenting, thinking about parenting, particularly as Christians, as people who are desiring to be connected to Christ and connected to the vine, right. and as people who believe that the kingdom of God is at hand, and you know, um, where, what would you say? What might be a yeah. starting point point for this conversation? Well, in your mind, yeah, that that's such an important question because let me just take it back one more step, and that yeah. is. Where do we get our parenting ideas? Mm. Where do we get our, if you will, philosophy of parenting or our, our what informs us? And it's interesting that, it, to, me, it, to me it's sad, frankly, that so few Christians would name the Bible mm. as their primary source for raising children. Mm. They can name all kind of books and internet sites and maybe you know friends and uh, you know all but yeah. the bible yeah well the truth of the matter is i really believe that the scripture is our primary source for raising children yeah everything else is an addition to what the scripture teaches mm-hmm. us so i begin with the scripture in scripture so this is good and just this is sort of tongue in cheek but you know, we have, as I think about scripture and I think about some of the parents in scripture, they're disasters. Disasters. So, you know, is, is the scripture mostly do we learn by negation? Or when you say we should, that, that should be like our primary document, um, kind of just, well, what do you, yeah, that's, toward, that's right? exactly right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because we see, we see failures that are very instructive and we can learn so much mm-hmm. from them. But the parent we want to pay attention to is God, our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. The Scripture, the Old Testament, for a reason, speaks of Israel as the children of Israel, the children of Jacob, mm-hmm. and the children of Abraham. Yeah. And God is their father. Mm-hmm. And the parent we're looking to for inspiration, for guidance, for direction is God, mm. our Heavenly Father. And 
as, as I say that, I, I want to be careful here because, yes, it is God our Heavenly Father. We, that's how we talk about God the Father. Yeah. But Scripture is full of God presenting, if I can say it this way, itself, yeah. the Godhead, yeah. as father and mother. Mm. God is both the father who trains and sometimes rebukes mm-hmm. and corrects and instructs, but God is also the mother who nourishes and encourages and and does rebuke and does call back into the home. Um, so, so the God of the Old Testament is not just dad. Mm. Uh, the God of the Old Testament is has both male and female characteristics, mm. of which we are created in His image. Right, male and female. Yeah. So, we are creating God's image. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, so we reflect. Yeah, yeah, we reflect God's. So, so therefore, yeah, we yeah. and and that really is the big idea behind mm. all of this. Okay, that as parents, we are mirroring who God is. Mm. That is our primary task. Okay, say that one more time. As <laughs> parents, our primary task is mirroring who God is. Mm. That's our job. Okay. And we're to pass that on. The tall task. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically an impossible task. Basically, okay, good. As long as we know that, right? Yeah, let's get that right straight. That. Yeah. Um, that's 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 awesome. Okay, so maybe just what what does that look like? What is that like mirroring um yeah what, what do we maybe well we've we've talked more. at least you and i and i know in other uh situations we've talked a little bit about uh the the attributes of god yeah. and, and we've just mentioned that that god in the trinity is there's both male and femaleness that's why we have male and female yeah. persons yeah. uh so we might say that's part of who god is but there, we also talk about the attributes of god and and as you and I have talked before, that we distinguish those or we delineate those in terms of communicable attributes, those things which we share with God, and the incommunicable attributes, those things which God alone right. uh, exhibits. Right. Uh, God, for example, is all-knowing. Yeah. Well, you and I think we know everything, but we actually don't. <laughs> and uh, God alone is all-knowing. So, you know, those are incommunicable attributes. But of the communicable attributes um, of love and kindness and graciousness and forgiveness mm-hmm. and um, thoughtfulness, or we could go on and on, yeah. fruits of the Spirit type right. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those things we are to build into our children. Mm-hmm. And um, so th- the mirroring God is mirroring the personhood of God mm. in our lives that our children might become followers yeah. and imitators of God in their own lives. Yeah. I think of, I was just reading first Corinthians where Paul talks about be imitators of me as I'm an imitator, imitator. of Christ. And yeah, he actually exactly. uses, he uses the parent language. Yes. Like you don't have many spiritual parents or spiritual fathers. Exactly. Um, 
So that, that yeah, that's that's so we are we're as parents called to mirror, to imitate, to take on the attributes of God, and in doing so, hopefully we are passing those on. We are instructing, teaching our kids to also we're modeling those, it, modeling it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and more is caught than taught. Mm. So mm. as we model these things, our children pick them up. Now, yeah. I'll be quick to say that I think there's some specific things that we are to teach as well, and we'll be talking about those. Yeah. yeah. But at, in terms of the big idea, the overriding, the overarching uh, responsibility of parents, it's to mirror who God is, mm. that our children might catch that and pick mm. that up and and live that out, imitate that in yeah. their own lives. You mentioned uh, Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. There's, right there is the word that would be for anyone, whether you have children, mm. biological children or not. Right, yeah. You're saying to the body of Christ, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. That's, that's all of our responsibility. Right. All of us have that responsibility. Yeah. So, um, you talked about so imaging God, mirroring uh, the attributes of God, and you talk specifically about sort of the Old Testament. You mentioned the Old Testament, and you mentioned God's relationship with Israel. So um, maybe flesh that out just a little bit, and then I have a follow-up question. Okay. Well, what I mean by that, and and we'll go into this in more. But what I mean by that is that the example of how God dealt with Israel is our example for how to deal with our children. Okay. Um, From from infancy, the time of being birthed out of Egypt, Mm. uh, to the giving of the law in which they're beginning to be instructed and being taught, uh, the rebellion of Israel and how God deals with them and how he brings them back to himself, and how he communicates his love, Mm. and how they learn to trust God, how they learn uh, that God is trustworthy. Mm. Uh, All of that is seen in the Old Testament. And so the model is there Mm. uh, for God interacting with his children is the pattern for us Mm. as we interact with our children. Okay. So you know my follow-up question. You What's know, that? You, I said, you know my follow-up question. Yes, I sure do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I can imagine some of our listeners uh, listening and astute saying... Astute listeners. Astute listeners, you know, who know their scriptures, know that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament, right? <laughs> um, and know that there's another child of God who comes on the scene. Of course... Jesus, right? Um, Jesus is the Son of God. So my question would be, why why the Old Testament? Why why don't we just look to God and the relationship of God and Jesus? Why, why would that not be the model for parenting? Or or is it? Or is it? I mean, are they are they connected? Or is it? Um, is it a both and or? I guess just why, why well, the Well, part Old of the question is have... why look at the Old Testament when we have Jesus? Right, right. We have another child. He's a better child. He's a more obedient child. Like, why? Well, why you've just answered why we look at the Old Testament. Okay. Because <laughs> none of our children are Jesus. 
Jesus was the perfect child. Yeah. And in all honesty, that's the relationship we're striving for. Mm. It's the Jesus is the model of the relationship that we want mm. with our children and our children to have with us. And mm. you know, let's make this personal. Dan, it's the kind of relationship I want with you. Yeah. And I think the kind of relationship you want with me. Yeah. But in order to get there, we have to go back to the Old Testament because you and I are fallen. Right. We we are not Jesus. We are not perfect. We don't have a perfect, unhindered, open, transparent, what Genesis calls a naked relationship yeah. with yeah. one another. Yeah. So that's good. Okay. So we're... We look to the Old Testament, at least in part, because the people of Israel are where we are. That's who we are. Yeah, we we're are. Not Jesus. Yeah, true. Um, even we we're, we're we are the children of Israel. Faith. We have the Spirit living inside of us, but we're still s- sort of in the position place of Israel, and especially as as maybe as kids and as kids are growing and developing. Right. So you're saying that kids have a sin nature. Is that what you're saying? Is that part of what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't they weren't born perfect and became corrupted. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. We are born in sin, as David said. Yeah, and it is our job as parents to, and that, really, that's our first point: yeah. d- develop within them habits that turn them toward Christ yeah. and toward God and and godly living. Hmm. So that's something that needs to be learned not necessarily innate. We don't necessarily seek seek God right from the womb and seek righteousness right from the well, womb. Well, how's Edmund doing on his innate? Oh, he's, uh... he's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how early... Anyway, yes, yes, he's a lovely child. No, he is, but it's true. I mean, from there, there are already things. I was just noticing the other day he was interacting with his cousin who's 18 months, and... Uh, is you know his cousins maybe more advanced in the track of sin than than he is just because he's older but <laughs> but like you know uh Everett his cousin had a toy or was like in his space and unlearned Edmund reached out and like pushed him you know like get away from me try to knock him over try to he's 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 already tried to take a toy from another sort of adopted cousin who's his age starts early sure yeah well and i just while he's been here with us there's times when he's it's obvious that he's angry yeah he stiffens up yeah he screams yeah um he's just like all of us he's all like all of us yeah so okay so the old testament um so i'm convinced i don't know if our listeners are convinced but i'm convinced that uh starting place old testament god's relationship with the children of israel so where Old Testament's pretty long, 66 books. No, that's only... No, sorry. 39. 30, 39, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have great confidence in your pastor. Um, so where... If, if someone was like, okay, Old Testament, God's relationship with Israel, so where do I begin in terms of the Old Testament, right? Do I just read the whole thing well yeah jokingly i'd say begin in genesis and conclude in malachi but no the truth of the matter is yeah obviously a couple things to say one 
I would begin with the first five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, the Torah. Um, that's where much of our uh, the example is. The, the next two books of Joshua and Judges are absolutely essential too. It's Joshua and Judges are sort of the the junior high years, if you will, of of life, and then and then you move into the 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 kingdom uh, years, uh, and and you have more the the young adult years of of life and the rebellion and the um, the difficulties that that they go through, the sibling rivalries and and the struggles there. It, it, historically, the, the, the reason why we say that the whole Old Testament is because you really see from the, the birth mm-hmm. of Israel to the old age of mm-hmm. Israel in the Old Testament, and and it's almost chronological mm-hmm. as as you move through it. Uh, so if you've got young children, I'd spend time in the Pentateuch. Yeah. If, if you're in junior high, you might want to spend time uh, in the Pentateuch and Joshua and Judges and and. Uh, you know, move right on through. Yeah. It also makes me think, I, I've seen a lot of sort of teachers, a friend who's a kindergarten, uh, Elizabeth DeVore, if you're listening, kindergarten teacher, you know, the, the the basic things you teach kids in kindergarten of like, be kind, share with others, don't smack your neighbor. You know, like a lot of, a lot of it seems like our world has never gotten beyond kindergarten. And, right. And I would agree in, in a similar way if, if judges is sort of, uh, you know, the junior high stage of development. A lot of us never really get beyond junior high in terms of, uh, you know, that desire to do what is right in our own eyes. Yeah, um, exactly. And in there. fact, I, I've come to believe that that's, that really is the core of our problem. Mm-hmm. It, it's that thing I was joking about earlier, that we, we all believe we know it all. Yeah. And, and so we do... In the moment, even when we do things that are stupid and we sort of know that they're wrong, in the moment, it seemed the right thing to do. Yeah. Every man, every person, every woman, every child does in the moment what they think is right. Mm. That's the message of, Josh, of Judges. Yeah. Which I feel like for me gives both a little bit of grace in terms of people are doing what they think is right. It's not always intentionally oh, harmful. That that has that has totally revolutionized my thinking of other people. Mm. Uh, and and I think honestly delivered me from mm. being judgmental mm. because I realized that that person as foolish as their decisions are that person in the moment thinks that they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And so rather than being judgmental, I, I, I can, I'm sad. I can mourn. Yeah. Well, then the question, how do we, and this is again, to parenting, right? How do you get that what is right to be defined, determined by something that's not ourselves and something that is actually right and good? Well, so how, do, how do our decisions become more or less, you know, what I think is right in the and what is what does God call us to in the moment, right? Like right. that's part of the right. transformation well, of the life and, and faith that's, and so that really whether you meant this or not, this is a segue to what I would call the first area of 
I, I sort of see three key areas of parental responsibility. Yeah, let's move. Let's move there now. So, parental three areas of parental responsibility or focus or okay. um, you know three areas in which we need to be aware that. These are things we need to be passing on to our kids and help them learn. Okay. Uh, th- there, there may be other areas. I'm not saying we're limiting it to three, yeah. but these are three core areas that we see in Scripture that need to be passed on to our kids. So, what would those, what would those three areas or areas of focus be? Yeah. And then we'll, we'll, we'll and, and start at the beginning. In, in my, in my case, because I have written some things on this, in each case, I'll have sort of two sides of the coin. Okay. Um, the first is obedience and independence. Okay. We're, we're just talking about, you know, if, if everyone does that, which is right in their own eyes. Right. Well, at some point, there has to be a higher authority. Right. There has to be law. There has to be the rule. And we look to God for that. So obedience. And yet, there needs to be independence as well. We're not, we're not slaves. We're not under tyranny. So we need to be our own individual that God's called us to be. So there's a balance there of obedience and independence. Uh, the, the next area <clears throat> that, that I think Scripture speaks to very clearly is work and rest. I mean, after all, that's the very first command we have in Scripture, is that we were to steward, to manage, mm-hmm. to, to take care of yeah. the creation. Yeah. That's work. And then God immediately... Um, instituted the Sabbath. Yeah. There's work and rest. There are two sides of it, and we can talk. We will talk yeah. more about that later. But I think we really struggle with that as adults, mm. finding the balance of work and rest that is a truly godly thing. And yet, yeah. we're, that's something we're to model for our children. Yeah. And and <clears throat> then finally, what I would call our resources of time and money, mm. and. In Scripture, it's very clear that time and money function in essentially exactly the same way. Mm. And so as we teach our children about the use of their time and as the use of their money or the larger context would be their resources, whatever that means, um, the resources of their experience, their knowledge, their talents, their capabilities— but they learn it as children with money. So the, the managing what God has given us, our resources. So obedience and independence, work and rest, and then time and money or the resources that God has entrusted to us. Perfect. So let's talk about the first of mm-hmm. those, obedience and independence. And this will probably take us to the end of this episode, and then we'll... Come back and talk Come about, back that. And sure, talk about sure. the last, right, right. The, the next two, um, but but obedience and independence, and just to begin, what do you what do you mean by obedience? How, how would you, as we're talking about it in this context, how would how would you define that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because obedience is um, in many circles um, a very negative word. Um, I, I, I personally know that many parents react very hostily to, mm. with hostility to thinking that they need to teach their children to be obedient. Mm. What, 
what do you what's what's the pushback there or what uh, it, the, the, oh, why, yeah, why yeah. It, because it's too authoritarian, it's controlling, it's manipulating. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it doesn't give the children a chance to express their individuality, their personality. Uh, they need to be free to explore uh, their world, and and obedience confines them. It restricts them. It limits them. Um, you know, your sister, my daughter, Heather, is a Ph.D. psychologist, and she will she will tell you that that parents, generally speaking, and in the literature, it's very clear that the word obedience is a, a very, very negative mm-hmm. word. And yet, the fact of the matter is, it's a biblical, mm-hmm. not only word, but it's a biblical concept. Yeah. Now, Part of the problem is that obedience has been abused. Mm. It has been abused, and yeah. we need to acknowledge that. It's been abused uh, maybe even by Christians in or people who call themselves Christians, maybe um, more than in some other areas. Mm. So I want to be careful in how yeah. we deal with this word and how we deal with the concept and be thoughtful about it. Um, and... Maybe here I would want to say at the beginning that when the world, when when the literature, child psychology, um, parental training literature talks about having training children, they choose to use the word compliance. Mm-hmm. In most cases, we we want children to comply. And compliance is defined as performing what they're told to do or not performing. So it's primary action based. It's, have, it's, have, they, have they done the thing? Have they done the thing or have they not done? And, and, then, and then there's volumes of discussion about how we go about getting a child to comply or perform. Yeah. And what are the different techniques and strategies of getting that child and which are valid and which are invalid. Yeah. Like positive reinforcement. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Or letting the child find out on their own that yeah. they like to do this as opposed to doing that. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, they're, they're, you go on and on and on and exhaust yeah. yourself reading all the things about that. All of that misses the biblical concept of obedience. So obedience. Obedience in the scripture. Not just about the doing or do not. It's not about, it's no. not about just performing or not performing. And if that's our concept of obedience, then we are not being biblical. Mm. Because obedience in scripture is, and here's another difficult word, it's about submission. Mm. It's about submission of Everybody, our will. Everybody's favorite word. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Okay, listen yeah, up. We'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come yeah, back we'll to come back to that. Yeah. But it's it's about submission of one's will to a higher authority. Mm. And in, in the fact, in the case of a Christian, it's about submission of our will to God. And I truly believe that our responsibility as parents is to teach our children to be obedient, that they might become independently dependent upon God. They become followers of God on their own. Hmm. Obedience is... Teaching them to be independently dependent 
upon God. God. So they're followers of God on, on their, their own. own. Yep, exactly right. Now, here's the that's, thing. And that, that to you is that's why obedience. That's why obedience. The why of obedience would be... The why of obedience is that they might become on their own dependent upon God. Okay. But obedience in Scripture is always, and get that word always, yeah. is always a matter of the heart. It's mm -hmm. a soft heart as opposed to a hard heart. It's a willing heart as opposed to a stubborn heart. And it's rooted in trust. Mm -hmm. Obedience at its very core mm -hmm. is, if you will, performing because you trust and believe that the one you're obeying has your best interest at heart mm -hmm. and they love you and they, by obeying, you are in fact doing what's best for you yeah. as well as, as it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of trust. It's a matter of, and so faith so, and trust are, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you, no, you were gonna ask me this, something. Is, this is really good. So I, uh, okay, so it's about o obedience just to make sure that I'm on the same page with yeah, you. Sure. Anyone listening in. So obedience, different than conformity. Conformity sort of or compliance. Compliance. Sorry. Right. Compliance. Yep. So are my are my actions the the right or wrong ones? Are they in line with what I'm being asked to do? Yeah, and, and I can be but, do I can be doing what you want me to do out of anger or and stubbornness and just because right. I have to 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 so you'll shut up and go away. Yeah. So obedience, then you're saying, is is a matter of, of the heart. It's a of matter the heart. of trust. So mm -hmm. you trust the one who yep. you are obeying, and then that that person has your best interest at heart. That they have your best interest at heart. Yep. Um, and so then the response of that, the response of that trust, the response of that uh, heart change, maybe is then. That's where we we see it's sort a of willing external. It's a willing response. Yeah, and see, trust creates the desire to respond to the thing asked because we yeah. we have confidence that that person yeah. has our interests at heart. Yeah. Okay, so I have two questions. Yeah. Two 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 sort of follow ups. One, what about and and this is sort of, I think you know what what I love about these principles. Uh, is that I, I don't think they're just about, uh, I, I think I, we, we talked about this earlier, they're important for parents because they're important for people. You're right? right. Even if you're not a parent, you know, if you're like obedience and we think about obedience to God, like that's important. And it's, it's important to think about how am I being obedient to God? What does it mean to sort of submit my life? And in, in this podcast, we talked at the very beginning about you know, the beginning ministry of Jesus, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. That means there's a king. That means there's someone on the throne. That means there's someone who's ruling. And what does yeah. it mean to, like, yeah. if we're in a kingdom, then we're subservient to someone, right? right. So what right. does that mean? Um, so I guess one question, though, would be about obedience. And, and even in terms of parenting, I know for myself, there are times when I don't want to read my Bible when I don't want to maybe go to church, when I don't feel like worshiping, when I don't want to, you know, love my wife, I don't want to serve her. I don't want to do the don't dishes. want to say you're sorry. I don't want to say I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. I, I don't want to do the dishes, even though I know that, that would be the the loving thing to do. Yeah, right. Um, so 
even I guess like from a parenting standpoint, if the goal is for the heart to be to for our actions to come from the place that our heart is in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what about those times when our heart is not in that place? Yeah, and I, I guess like is there? <clears throat> I, I love the differentiation between obedience and compliance, but is there also a place for compliance in parenting? Um, or even as we think about our relationship with with God, is there a place for? Well, I'm still going to read my Bible. I do it because my I'm heart's supposed not to. there. I do it because I'm supposed to, and I go yeah. to worship because it's good for me. And God in His grace can like work in that. Or I say I'm sorry because even if I don't feel sorry, like I should be sorry. I don't. I don't know. I mean, like yeah. I, I guess. Um, and as parents, do we want our kids to? do the right thing even if they're not feeling it or wanting to do the right, right thing right or how, how do you i don't know how, how do you yeah. balance that like well well this wh- is where is i that? love this is where i love the old testament yeah. because that that question is one that israel is wrestling with the whole time hmm. they don't want to do what god asked them to do <laughs> that's true yes <laughs> okay yeah i mean that's kind of bottom line yeah they don't really want to do it and in the early stages God, through a number of very strong disciplinary actions, um, in <laughs> we could say makes them do. <laughs> in other words, he he gives he disciplines them in such a way that they change their mind and they want to do it, mm. but they don't want to do it because they love him. They want mm. to do it because they don't want to be disciplined. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the early stages mm. in childhood. Mm. The early stages is of obedience. Obedience, Sarah, remember I said that obedience is about trust. Yeah. Well, trust takes time. Mm. In fact, I would argue that trust takes a lifetime. Mm. I'm still learning to trust God. Mm. I think I trust him far more now than I did 30 years ago. Yeah. But there are times... When I'm not trusting God, yeah. So, yeah. So the answer to your question is is really that, yes, in the early stages, we do we do expect and and require that our children do what they're told. Mm. But it's through doing it that they begin to learn that they can trust that this is what's best for them. Mm. In fact, one of the clearest areas where I where I see this very practically in young adult lives yeah. is in the area of finances. I know mm. we're going to come to that later. Yeah. But children who've learned to tithe, to learn to give, to learn to share um as as children, yeah. As they get older, begin to, it's far easier for them to trust that God will provide for them. Mm-hmm. And there are just so many examples. That mm-hmm. They they know, they've it's, learned they've it. They've practiced. It's, they've they, practiced yeah. it over years. And, and they get to those early years of their marriage. Like, well, frankly, Heather and Ian are in, or, or you yeah. and, and, and Hannah. And you've had the the years of experience and you know that you can trust God. Now that doesn't mean that you never doubt or worry or anxious. You're not sure. Yeah. But it's so much easier because you've learned to trust. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's so. <clears throat> I think that's really good, and and I do think that's been. I can think about my own life and, yes. and some of the things that I just I. I uh, I think it's it's some of the, there's a a book that I really like um about the spiritual power of habit and um we we actually talked about habit a, right. a few months ago and um but but there's a there's a power in some of those routines and rhythms that can actually mm-hmm. train our minds and actually I think impress upon our hearts things that are of value and things that are important and and I I was thinking about and relationships too, like the, the habit of being in a relationship that builds trust. Like last night I was hanging out with, um, so I'm doing this from Washington. We're in Washington right now, not in Tulsa. And I was hanging out with my, uh, sister and her husband, Ian and, and their, the Jacobson family is a family we've known for the last 25 years yeah. and been really close to. Um, and I think exactly what you're talking about, like in that space, because we've known each other for so long and because we've been able to, learn to trust one another so well there's a freedom and there's this you know it's, it's easy to be together um and and that's part of it right like with parents with a relationship with god the longer that you're in it and as you get to see and ultimately this is pointing us towards god so as you see god's faithfulness through the years and through the different circumstances that builds trust and makes us more willing to step it out in obedience the, the next time because they say well last time it went okay so maybe Maybe this time it will too. You know, maybe there's something here. And that reminds me of something that I, I probably should insert here. You talked about the power of habit. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to go back one step before that when we talked about obedience. Um, when you ask the question about compliance, when we don't, what about making kids do something or what about us? doing something even when we don't want to. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, in life, we all obey something higher than ourselves. Mm. And the, the real question is, whom do we obey? Mm. Do we obey the cultural mores? Mm. Do we obey based on what other people think of us? Do we obey... Uh, do we, in other words, do we respond? Do we act because of what other people think of us? What the pressure is on us? What, you know, the family pressures, the expectations? We all obey. Hmm. The question is, who do we obey? Hmm. That's good. And yeah. and it's and we when we keep that in mind, it changes our perspective. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I. Okay, and it gets at the, the sort of the, the understanding of idolatry too yeah, exactly you know, we all worship something we all we, worship. we all give ultimate well, value to something the, or, worship right? is obedience hmm. Hmm. worship is obedience yeah. now so here's the where habit comes when we obey the things that are not of god we develop habits of obedience hmm. that are powerful hmm. but they're ungodly unhealthy unproductive habits hmm. So the power of habit yeah. is there. And one of the things, you know, in our work with uh, couples particularly, whether it's, we work mostly with couples in ministry. Yeah. And we have all developed habits that are unhealthy. Mm. And 
so we might say that we obey. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're doing those things that we've been trained to do. Yeah. We've trained ourselves to do. And our goal as parents is to, to first of all, remember we, we're modeling, we're, mm. we're attempting to model who God is. And in that train habits uh, of behavior that are consistent with and reflective of who God is, yeah. which is in our best interest. Yeah. So this is really good. I, I think we're, we're, we're drawing to the end of this episode. Um, final question, and this may take us into the next episode. I don't know. Um, but, but on this, we still haven't really talked about independence. No, we haven't. We right, can, we can, right, but right, we'll, right. we'll get to that. But the, the, the final question sort of related to what you're talking about is as we think about obedience as from, from a parental standpoint, yeah. and as we think about as Christians, the ultimate goal I would say is not that kids be obedient to their parents, meaning I'm your child. Right, right, but the right. The ultimate goal for me now at being 35 is not to be is obedient to me. To be obedient to you, but nope. to, be, to be obedient to God. To God. Yep. Right. So there's always sort of on a, your own. On my own. Yeah. Right. So there's always sort of an underlying motivation behind the necessity of kids being obedient to parents. Right. Like oh, I, I think so that's it's it's my, underlying, but it's absolutely critical that we have yeah. that in mind. There, we are not teaching our kids to be obedient so that they'll be obedient to us. Right. We're teaching them to be obedient so that they will be obedient to God. Right. Okay. Well, I think there's a, there's more we want to get into, and we haven't even gotten to sort of the independence piece. But I think this is a good place to stop for now. We've been at it for a little bit of time, and I uh, want to let our listeners digest what they've heard but just a, a couple things sort of by way of by way of recap is first this idea that where do, where should we go as parents to think about parenting and scripture right yes that, that should be scripture has something to say to parents and and as helpful as all these other resources might be um let's start with scripture and and by the way, let me just say quickly there. Yeah. When we when we say start with scripture, what we what I mean by that yeah. is as we read the scripture, as we read, I, I mentioned the Pentateuch. Just observe. How is God dealing with His children? What is He doing? And then, how can I implement that in raising my children? That's what I mean by. Yeah. Scripture being our model. Yeah. So Scripture is the model mirroring God. We talked about that. God is Father, people of Israel, the children of God. So um, what does it mean to to imitate and to live out the, the uh, communicated attributes of God, to pass those on to the next generation? Um, and then we just began talking about sort of these... Um, the, three areas of focus for parents or three areas of, of responsibility for parents. Um, the first being obedience and independence and sort of the idea that as we, as, as children are obedient to their parents, the, the goal is that they're learning to be obedient to God. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a conformity or a um, compliance. It's not just compliance of action, but it's 
about trust being built. It's about a heart transformation. It's about knowing that um, the one to whom you are submitting always has your best interest in mind. And in God's case is able to actually accomplish what is best for you mm-hmm. um, and, and, and knows that without fault. Um, but that's modeled in the home. That's, and that they kids learn that through that relationship of trust with their parents. Is that a fair summary of what we that's, talked that's about? That's excellent. Yes, right. And then we will want to get into the other side of the coin, which is how do we develop the independence and the individuality yeah. of the child yeah. um, Awesome. as well. Well, thanks for listening. As, as always, we appreciate if you ever have any questions, if, if this conversation in the next episode sparks questions, please feel free to send those to Jackson or myself. Um, I can always find a, a way to get dad back on the horn and we can continue the conversation. Um, and he'll be in Tulsa from time to time. So, But thanks for listening. Thanks to Eric for doing the music. And until next time, have a great week. Lord bless you. Bye.